It's now time for a true story with Jonathan. Good morning, Light FM. Welcome to another Tuesday morning episode of the Sunny Side Up. And this is Jonathan. I'm going to be your host for today's episode of True Story. I want to talk about a very powerful article that I was reading. It came out in the Atlantic on April 22nd, so last week. And it's called, Navalny has a lesson for the world. He's showing the world what courage means. And... Well, the reason I want to talk about this article is because it really resonated with me for reasons beyond political. Uh, Alexei Navalny, for those of you who don't know, is an activist and a politician, and he's Russia's most important opposition leader right now. He's actively been exposing the Kremlin's corruption, and he's rallied a massive opposition against Vladimir Putin's increasingly authoritarian regime. Uh, You might have seen protests in Russia in the past few weeks because of his arrest. Anyway, Navalny recently survived an assassination attempt when he was poisoned on a plane. It was the third attempt on his life and he almost died. He was rushed to the hospital. Uh, He's also wanted by the Russian authorities and after he recovered in Berlin, he flew back to Russia knowing he would be arrested. And sure enough, he was. As we speak, Alexei Navalny is on a hunger strike in a Russian prison and doctors say he's dying. So the reason I'm talking about this besides shedding light on the importance of what he's doing, because when someone goes on a hunger strike, I think it's important to talk about that because that's that's a, that's a big part of, of, why, of why someone would actively go on a hunger strike for political reasons. And that's one. But on the other hand, I just want to talk about the more personal aspect of this for me. And I hope you can relate. And it's the question of why did Navalny go back to Russia? So in the article, The author argues that Navalny is showing his countrymen and women how to be courageous. And I quote, This, Navalny was telling all of them, is what courage looks like. And in my opinion, that's admirable. That's more than admirable. This man is single-handedly showing the world the price to be paid for standing up against an overwhelmingly powerful regime that, that is very powerful. And he's showing the world that it can be done and that he's actually doing it at a very personal high cost. And this is the cost that is usually required to stand up to those regimes. And I think I think that's very inspiring. I think it's inspiring for all of us in Lebanon because we have a tendency sometimes to isolate what's happening to us and remove it from the general context of the world. But all over the world, there are people fighting injustice and they do it very bravely. And, and I find that very inspiring. Courage is a world that is difficult to define. But if I have to put my finger on one quality that has motivated me and fascinated me since I was a kid, I think courage would be that word. Uh, cowardice has always been a dirty word in my dictionary, on the other hand. The surrender to fear. And I'm not talking about fear because fear is natural, but surrendering to fear is something that I've always I've always considered the deplorable. Uh, I might be wrong, but cowardice in my head has always been the equivalent of what most people call evil. Uh, so like cowards kill, cowards steal, cowards rape, cowards lie. And I think a lot of the vices of the world can be attributed back to a feeling of cowardice. Of course, that's an oversimplification, but that's how I thought about it for a very long time. And that's not to say, that's very important, that's not to say that I've never felt like a coward myself. And this is about to get a little bit personal, but quite the contrary. I feel like my aversion for cowardice arises out of a long-held suspicion I've had about myself. And that is that I am secretly a coward. That in my gut lies fear curled up waiting and when i try to justify that feeling like why do i feel why do i feel like like fear is just waiting for its moment inside of me uh, an old memory flashes in my brain so it's like 
Imagine it's 1997, I'm in the playground of my school. I'm a seven-year-old boy who doesn't know how to tie his shoelaces and I'm a little bit ashamed of that and the teachers aren't that helpful about it. <laughs> I was likable, I was a good student, I was popular, but you know, like most of us, I had my enemies at school. My enemies at the time, as a seven-year-old, were a group of older children. And by older, I mean like nine years old, not ridiculously older. But for a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old can really be a dangerous creature, <laughs> a monster. They're the Vladimir Putins of this world, if I want to put it that way. And they go around asserting their power and dominance on everyone in the playground just to prove that they can. And of course, they're usually boys who grew up into men who grew up into dictators. <laughs> Slippery slope, but you got what I say. And I think this is what power is. There's no point reasoning much about it. They're exerting power. And so you have to imagine the playground of our school. It had an indoor covered part and an outdoor part. And one time, while I was in the outdoor sport, bathing in the sun, enjoying my day, one of the older kids, he's a member of a gang that I didn't really like, a school gang, he comes up to me with this threatening glare of a bully and he says, you, stay indoor, this part is for grown-ups. He said it in Arabic, he was like, uh, and he just said it and I did exactly what he said. I stayed indoors for two years. For the next two years, until we moved to another block in the school, to another playground, I spent two recesses every day, five days a week, inside the indoors playground. Even when my friends would go out, I would make an excuse not to go out because it, it got demarcated, safe, dangerous. And I know it's been ages, but I swear I'm still angry at myself. I'm still angry for for not going outside, for not defying this 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 dare that he that he imposed on me and for 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 agreeing for agreeing to be afraid of him uh, and it marked me i think this is the first time i speak about this actually but in a way this has shaped my promise to myself uh, it has shaped my choices to never be controlled by fear there's a coward inside all of us and sometimes we let that coward take over but i've made it my life's mission i can proudly say to kill that coward a lot of the time i fail most of the time I fail, actually. I act out of cowardice in many situations. But in many ways, this is why I actively fight it. This is why I chose to work in journalism, I think. And this is why I believe the things I believe. And this is why sometimes I do things that might appear counterintuitive even to me. But I just constantly feel like I need to prove to myself that I'm really brave. And it's also why I really admire rebels and revolutionaries and brave women and men and minorities that stand up to unbelievably oppressive powers. And this is why I really admire uh, Alexei Navalny, even though he's just one example. And yeah, I kind of feel bad for choosing the example that's like male and privileged to, to the max, but it just so happens that this is the topic right now that, came, that I came across that, that made me want to speak about this. And I think these people, what they do is they kill the cowards inside them. And by doing that, they teach all of us to do that. They stand up against overwhelming, threatening, gigantic forces, and they tell them no. And then they know there's a price to be paid, and then they pay it. Navalny is dying in a prison cell in Russia as we speak because of his courageous no. And to end on a note by another man who wrote about bravery, and this is a quote I really love. He said, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, by the way, this is Ernest Hemingway. He said, the world breaks everyone, and afterward many are strong at the broken places, but those that will not break, it kills. The world breaks everyone, and afterwards, it kills the very good, and the very gentle, and the very brave, impartially. If you are none of these, you can be sure it will kill you too, but there will be no special hurry. Thank you, Ernest Hemingway, for these grim words. 
To end on a brighter note, I want to tell you that I've learned a few things about fear because of how much I think about it. And I realized that fear can be fought. It is fought with trust. It is fought with knowledge. It is fought with accepting that it exists and embracing it and then putting it aside respectfully and casting it out. It is fought with action, with art, with meditation, with medication, with prayer. It's fought with love and it becomes much easier to defeat when you're fighting it with your friends. Fear is fought with togetherness. And I just want to add one last note because I can. If that bully is listening, and I honestly don't remember his name, so I doubt he remembers mine, but if that kid from the playground is listening, I want to tell him that he made me sit in the shade in school, but now I am on the sunny side up. On that stupid pun, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next Tuesday with another true story, and I hope you enjoyed it. Please let me know what you think, and thanks again for listening. This was Jonathan, and you're listening to Light FM. That was a true story with Jonathan.